Previously on AFTN. Get some of the, the VMSL champions in or some of the Saskatchewan champions in, Edmonton Scottish, things like that. TSS Rovers, Calgary Foothills, Victoria Highlanders. Thunder Bay Chow. I mean, it's so close to York, prob- probably. <laughs> in my head, it is. Big Derby game. <laughs> everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And if you're listening to this show in the podcast, this is episode 344. Another busy week in the history books. It's this time of year that you just, you feel sorry for people that don't like football. There's just, I mean, what do they do? There's just so much to watch on TV. So much to watch that isn't on TV and you have to find weird streams for it. And just games to go to. I'm just back from watching the Provincial B Cup final tonight at Burnaby Lake. Congratulations to Metropolitan FC. Won their first Provincial B Cup. But... We're going to talk Whitecaps, we're going to talk MLS, we're going to talk CPL, we've got some interesting audio clips to bring you, and we're going to start things off by looking at another busy week for the Whitecaps. Two matches, four points, a draw in New Jersey against Red Bulls on Wednesday night, a win against Dallas at BC Place on Saturday. Who would have predicted that? (laughs) Let's just talk a little bit first of all about the 2-2 draw in New Jersey. To go there and get a point is good anyway. To go there and get a point against a team that's been playing well, you're under strength. You've had travel nightmares getting there, which we're, we're going to... Charter flight! Oh, I know. <laughs> we called it. We'll talk about travel woes and charters in, in part three, but I mean, that was just awful. Got to their hotel, I think, 2.30 in the morning in Hoboken. I, I liked your tweet of them getting off the plane. You're like, this looks like some really happy players or whatever. Jake Narinsky looked really pissed. But then someone pointed out to me, he was maybe meeting his family. I mean, getting that point, though, the way that they played, taking the lead and coming back from being behind, they probably should have won it at the death as well if Nbombwang had made a better decision and laid yes. the pass off instead of having a shot. But I mean, overall, how did you feel coming out of that game? 
Yeah, I think, well, I, I, like you said, I, most clubs would take, uh, if you offer them a point on the road, most of them would take it. And I think uh, I think they'll be happy with it. But yeah, there were definitely moments in that game where they could have had more. Two points from two tough road games, one in KC, one in New Jersey. Five points, I think, altogether now from their, their last three away games. Does that make up from these points that we've dropped early on at home? There's still it, a little bit to go. It's helping a little bit, but I think they're still, they dropped a lot of points, especially at the beginning of the season. There's a lot of losses there. Yeah, it's far too early to tell. But we did get back home for the, the match on Saturday. They flew out at 6.30 on Thursday morning via Seattle, so no direct flight either. So Friday was just kind of a recovery session. They've been a bit banged up. Players are going down left, right and centre. And Friday was like, it was afternoon too. Yeah, it was three o'clock they ended up taking the pitch. So, I mean, I headed into Saturday's game confident that we would take all three points, no matter how kind of banged up we were. I just thought we were riding that momentum, we had that confidence and the way that we've got the points in both those games, I I thought we'd have done well. And in the end, we, we did get a win albeit making a little bit of hard work for it in, in the last kind of five minutes or so. Slow start, which you could possibly put down to them just kind of being a little bit leggy or just kind of tired, finding their feet. Going two goals up as well then before half time, which for me, it seemed to come out of nowhere because I, it just didn't feel we we're getting anything going. Yeah. Then you're in at half time, you feel that you're kind of coasting and you're comfortable you thought they'd go on, maybe put another couple away. Could have. <laughs> yeah. Did miss a, a sitter to, to go three up. Immediately pulled back to one, though, right after that. There was a few scrambles in the last five minutes, but I, I thought we, were, we held on fairly comfortable. It, it didn't feel... I didn't feel panicked like I have in, in some games in the past. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you can only play the, the side that's in front of you. The one thing... One observation for me was... Yeah, this Dallas team really is a shadow of its form, of its oh, former it self. Like I know we've sort of thought that, looking at results yeah. and seeing highlights and watching some games. They're and whatever, kind of rebuilding, I, I guess, uh, as well. You know, in a significant way. Yeah, and and they also are one of the clubs in MLS that are known for actually playing young players, and that's yes. what they 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 have been doing. That's what they did. Um, so, did, did you feel it was a deserved three points in the end? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think so. Especially based on the week that, uh, like how the, how the week went. Um, I'm not, not maybe if you that one game on itself, maybe not. But if you look at the whole week and what they went through, they deserve six points <laughs> out of that one game. Yeah, let's just give them six. Yeah, back in the playoffs. Perhaps. I think you can say they were they were deserved four just because that's what you predicted. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll do our usual breakdown. We'll start by looking at the goals and some of the main talking points from it. Now, we took the lead. Like I said, it kind of felt it came out of nowhere. We just weren't getting anything going in that final third yet again. And we're going to look at some of those horrendous pass accuracy stats in the second part. Maybe it was just going to take a moment of magic to to try and just kickstart us. And we got that. Beautiful goal from Ali Adnan. Has to be up there for AFTN's goal of the year, I would think. It's, it's up there for sure. Well, so, I, so far, yeah. Not even just so much to finish. Just everything about him. He, he got the ball out wide. 
He looked up to see if there was any pass on and thought, no, the better thing for me is just to go. Went through the two Dallas players with some nice little trickery footwork, got through them, and the curl right in that foot. ball. No, I think the finish. The I think the finish was even more impressive than the the dribbling because uh, I thought it. it, it like, I don't know if he's two footed or not, but he's definitely left footed. Uh, and I, I thought he he struck that so well, like really quickly. He didn't even wait for it to settle down. And yeah, he, he as soon as he looked up and he saw the pass wasn't on. That yeah. was clearly all that was in his mind. And he, like you said, the curl was yeah. spot on. And he's he's had a few attempts in, in recent matches. Some of them have been kind of woeful and gone flying miles by. But this is clearly what he's been trying to do. Yeah. So we know that that he's got that in a, in his locker. Crack and go. Yeah, I oh well, I agree with Michael a little bit more on this one, Steve. I think the dribble was more impressive than the finish. Although the, not that's not to take away from the finish because yeah. I thought it was quality as well, especially with his right foot. One of the things that I think, uh, assuming <laughs> not to jump ahead, but assuming that he's not out for too long. Yeah. One one of the things about it is I think this for Ali Adnan will. Uh, potentially create more opportunity and more space for him. If people are worried about him cutting in on his right, yeah. uh, that's going to... Yeah, that, oh, he's that playing higher up as well, like Steve had been kind of wanting to see him yeah. do more The of. post-game show, uh, they mentioned that it was really um, ca- precautionary that they took him off at that yeah. point. There wasn't a massive injury, but they just didn't want to take a chance well, to make it I worse. I assume you guys saw it up, up, up top, but like right away, it was, it was just like... Where he went down, right, and then he got back up and whatever. And so, but right away he was stretching, and you're like, "This is not. This is he's not going." Yeah, I, another one. We'll talk about some injuries in in part two. But nine minutes later, it's two 0 Another moment of brilliance. Yeah, another lovely finish. Another curler into the bottom right hand corner this time. The back heel to set this up from Freeman Terrell. Now we've kind of we talked before that we don't have an assist of the year. We talk, did that when we were going over our, yeah. our awards last year. Maybe it's time to introduce it because I think it'll take some going to, to beat that. That was meant. He knew everything about that. He knew who was behind it. Well, maybe didn't know exactly who, but he knew someone was behind him. Yeah. And just, it was lovely. And you could up. call it the Freddie Montero Memorial Assist of the Year. Oh, wait. No, you could say that if he's died. Uh, no, yeah. Oh, he's got no, two year contracts. No, honorary. So <laughs> the honorary. But. Yeah, lov- I, lovely set up, lovely, lovely finish from Venuto. I fancy a back heel, and that was a quality back heel from the Colombian. There's some things you like to see in a game. Yeah. That two-footed tackle on a play you don't like. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, Michael. <laughs> Penalties that you win, not a Oh, like a shootout, game. you mean? Oh, well... Talking of penalty shootouts, watched Dundee United and St. Murden no. today. Poor Gordon. Spoiler alert if anyone hasn't heard. Gordon Forrest, oh. assistant manager at Dundee United, went to penalties for a place in the Scottish Premier. They missed all four of their first four penalties and they got beat 2-0 on penalty kicks. <laughs> I feel bad for Gordon. They were some terrible he's, penalties. There was, there was three saves with the keeper, so you've got to give a little bit of credit. He's, a, qu- he's a quality fellow. Yeah, I, I feel really I bad felt for him as well. I didn't want the Jaggies to go stay in there. But sadly they did. Anyway, back to, back to White Cats news. So we're two up. Dallas were looking poor. Most dangerous lead though in football. We've talked about that before. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did always worry though that if Dallas get a goal back they could maybe go on and at least grab a point. And I think maybe the big fine margins, fine margins is used in all these commentating things I've been listening to recently. Commentators are just using fine margins all the Why time. Why not butter? I don't know. 
Flora, B cell. I think Aaron Aaron Guise crashed one off the, the bar from ten yards out. Max Cripo had tipped it kinda into his path. At first I thought he'd spilled it and then when I saw the replays like, oh no, actually he, yeah, he yeah. did well to get a hand on it. I think he should have scored. Stephen we were talking about this on the way in. I, I just think you have to put it away from there. Yeah, you do, but the ball was a little bit behind him and he was he had to readjust, it seemed like. I don't know if you saw the replay with Zach, but it seemed like the tip if the, not for the tip, it would have been right in his path. Yeah, yeah. If the t- the tip happened and it kind of went offline for him. I still think you need to score that. Well, yeah, you do. But, you, but if he does, I think the yeah. end result of the game is a completely different outcome. Because yeah, I think they I would concur, have just yeah. given Dallas a lift. Would we even have seen Theo Bear come on at that point? Because Although Probably. Freddie maybe... He did oh, take yeah. the knock and we're not sure whether he was struggling or if that's why Theo came on. But yeah, I mean, that would have been a nervy 35 minutes as opposed to a nervy 5 minutes yeah. that, that we ended up with after that miss though the Whitecaps were fairly comfortable Dallas that seemed to just totally deflate them they had they had nothing yeah and I was super excited at Theo Bear coming in that was one of the highlights of the yeah, day I, that, that was I was in two minds where to go I just didn't feel it I just I felt I couldn't be bothered going to the game but I wanted to see Theo Bear make his debut MDS had hinted the day before we'd probably see it hmm. so I didn't want to miss that and the chance to, to speak to him afterwards and he had a lovely it would have been a dream debut that little flick that yeah. he had he didn't know much about it he said afterwards he didn't know his hip could could kind of twist way. that way <laughs> But that would have been spectacular. So yeah. you had Simon Coline come on the last game of last season, always get a goal on his debut. Theo always get a goal on his debut. And we'll talk a little bit about Theo later in, in this part. But then Lucas Venuto had a chance to grab his second and the Whitecaps third. This was a crazy sort of 30 seconds. Horrendous attempt at a back pass from Nelson. <laughs> Gonzalez was out of his box and... The back pass just wasn't coming to him. So he's committed. There's not really a lot he could yeah. do. Venuto was so quick to jump on that. And as he went one-on-one with Gonzalez, you thought, oh, here we go. This is definitely a goal. He starts to round him. You think, this is definitely a goal. Then he overhits it to knock it past him. Yeah. And by the time he recovers, Nelson's got back. Gonzalez has got back. Then Nelson, full credit to him, he made the balls up to start with. But then he gets the, the, the block in. Then Dallas go up the field and score. Before we talk about the Dallas goal, though, I think there's a case to argue that Gonzalez did enough to put Venuto off by lunging at him. And I've looked at the replays and I can't see whether he did actually make any contact. If he made contact, he should have been off. But he he put his hands out to kind of give him a shove. And I think Venuto lost his balance as he went round because of that. So to me... Whether it's a sending off or a booking or whatever, you've put the player off, so I feel that could have been called back for a free kick. Uh, you know what? I didn't think about that. I, I remember, I, I brought this up on the show in the past, I remember years ago watching a, a Premier League match, I, I don't know why, but um, Steven Gerrard was going in the box and someone lunged at him and they didn't get him, but again, it was the same thing. It was like the intent or mm. whatever, and, it, and I think it did put. It did, there wasn't the big contact or anything. Because Vanuto definitely it, had to change put his path. Off, yeah, put him off so much in in a way that would have been a foul or whatever that they gave the penalty. Um, so I've seen something like that. Be- we'll have before. a chat with a couple of referees that we know and, and see what they see. Yeah. Maybe during the show, if we, the, we can sit. The that thing off. was though on that. I think if Vanuto goes the other way, I think he scores. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it was it was good defensive play by Dallas. Oh but then yeah, good recovery. Yeah, it was kind of terrifying how easy they then went up the the field and they just ripped through the the Caps defense. And it was a nice little finish from Badgie as well, yeah. straight in the onion bag, two one, making it a then a kind of nervy five minutes. But but they held on. So I mean, that's the main thing. Jake Norinsky kind of joked afterwards. Oh, we just want to make things interesting for all all you writers that's that's writing about the game. MDS seemed more pissed off just the fact that they'd put themselves in that position and I was a bit pissed off with that as well what is it about this team that we just cannot kill games off what is it is it just complacency wow are, are they pushing too hard to get another goal yeah I, this team is like we've said many times is still very much a work in progress it's not like a, it feels like not a complete team right and so you're going to have lapses. You're going to, you're not going to, to not have complete com- performances from them is not, should not be surprising. Uh, you know, how many complete performances have there been in 2019? Would you say so far? I don't think not. I don't think that many. No, but no. They, they have never had, they, they have, how often have they had a complete team too? Yeah, They've always totally. had like exactly. niggling injuries. They've had, obviously you have to, I, I don't know the team doesn't want to use an excuse, especially MDS, but the fact that this team, like we said early in the year, that they were two or three weeks behind be- mm-hmm. everybody else because of the fact that people came in late, they weren't able to train together, so they were o- they've always been two three weeks behind everybody else. Yeah, yeah, but I mean overall, uh, and it, I understand MDS is uh, frustrating. Like uh, uh, you, yeah, you I want mean, as, your coach. as a coach, you saw how pissed off he was at the bench yeah. when it when it cut to him with the miss in particular because yeah. it's as if he felt. Oh, it's like he knew what was coming. But overall, it, it was a good result. We're on a good run of games. One loss in seven matches, three wins, three draws. We've given up 10 goals in those seven games, which isn't too bad. No, Not because horrific. because the, they haven't been blown out. The, the only loss was a one nothing loss to Atlanta out of those seven games that you're talking about. Everything else has been because they scored more goals. and it was, Everything's been a one-goal game, it yeah. seems like, or obviously a draw. So it's they're not blowing anybody out, but they're not getting blown out either at any game. You definitely don't want to leave a White Caps game early. That's one thing. Right? I, I, I mean, every uh, yeah, every one of their game or every one, but maybe one or two has been a one goal one goal game. I think yeah, the, 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 ones, the Galaxy game. was the one. Yeah, I think yeah. It's the so I, I even said at the half, I was just like, when was the last time that the White Caps won a half by two goal by two goals? I can't remember when that when that was. Yeah, wasn't it twenty nineteen? I don't think definitely not. We've got to go back a little bit for that, I think. We talked a little bit last week about the importance of getting the the points on the board now when we're not a complete team and when we're... We know there's deficiencies. MDS knows his deficiencies. There's areas that he wants to strengthen. I wrote about this in my match report last week and someone had made a comment which I meant to reply to on on the site and I hadn't, saying, how can you be so confident that players that will make a difference will be coming in the summer because I mean Marta Santos has talked about strengthening the team but can we be confident it's going to be money well spent or real difference makers that comes in and not just players that are maybe a slight improvement on what we've got. How can anyone have any confidence that that's going to happen? Where does that confidence come from? I do though because I just feel the fact that 
that DeSantis has waited this long. Yeah, because that he, he knows that this bigger piece is coming. Because he said that, that like I I don't think by big pieces you mean huge. Like like I'm not the, talking about big names. Yeah, but they're more talented players, and he could like he said he well I, we don't know how true this is, but he, we were, I'm taking his word for it that he said that he could have had he could have made changes before the transfer window closed. Yeah, but there would have only been slight improvements. Um, Whereas he wants more bigger yeah. improvements by waiting to the summer. I have no doubt that he wants that. Whether or not he'll be allowed to do that is the other question. Well, well I mean, the this, thing he should have hinted that there's no, maybe a couple of guys. Coming no, but from he the should European have a budget. Clubs. He should have a budget. He should know what his budget is, and if he can f- do that with that budget that he has, then he should be fine. Yeah, but that's that, the thing. I don't think. I don't think that. I don't think that budget is. Yeah, there you go. So you think he's gonna, they're going to take it away from him when the summer hits? No. No, I just don't think the budget is that big to begin with. But if he's he knows what it is, yeah. and he's saying that I, he can bring he, in players. I think he already he has the players lined up. Oh, I'm sure he does. And it does sound like they're coming from European clubs. They may not necessarily be European. You have to maybe think he's talked a lot about Portugal and Spain, that that could be where, where he's looking at, and their seasons have been a bit longer than us anyway. I guess we'll find out in July. But if if we can still be in touch... By the time we make these additions, it bodes well for the, the second half of the season. Oh, for sure. I'll be confident. And we're touching right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is like we said many times, this is MLS. Like you go on a three game winning streak and yeah. you're top of the table. <laughs> yes. Could be. But we yeah. To Colorado's yeah. top in a couple of weeks. There you go. The goals are coming from all over. The attackers, they're still not at the level that you want them to be at, but they're getting goals. Freddie's got a couple, Venuto's got a couple now, things like that. So, I mean, that's all good. Defenders getting goals. Adnan, mm-hmm. another another yeah. one from a defender there. And MDS talked on Friday. He does not care where the goals come from, just as long as they go in the back of the net. Well, yeah. And the, ultimately, the, that's all you have to care the about. The Red Bull starting 11, it was the back three that had the goals and nobody else on the on that starting 11 had a goal. So, uh, he definitely doesn't care. He, wants, <laughs> he just wants to put the best lineup possible. Yeah. And the, the other good thing from the game for me was, as we talked about, Theo Bear making his MLS mm-hmm, debut. Yeah. I'm glad we played the audio last week about MDS talking about integrating young players and the difficulties in that, because it is difficult. And this was kind of forced upon him, because RDS has gone out with a with an injury, had an MRI last week, and haven't confirmed how good or bad it is. Mm-hmm. From what MDS, he was kind of choosing his words very carefully on Friday, it doesn't sound too, too bad. I would be surprised, though, that we see him until after the, the Gold Cup break, so it might be another chance for, for Theo this week. He did caution, though, after the match that don't put too much pressure on Theo Bear. And he says, we're really bad for this in Canada. Hmm. A young player does well, yeah. and right away it's like, oh, you have to play him, you have to do this. He said Theo still has a lot in his game, that he needs to work on. He has a lot of development to do. And don't rush these guys on. So do kind of what like Carl Robinson did with Alfonso Davies? Yeah, which, of course, he was criticised for because it's like everyone just wants to see the, the yeah. excitement. And in a lot of ways, and we said this with Simon Coline last year, they score in their debut and right away so much pressure put on oh, them from sure. certain quarters. No, there's no need to put pressure. But saying that, you know, 10 goals this year for Theo Bear? Yeah, I, 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 I would say <laughs> But he didn't look out of place. That was no, no. Thing. I mean, he's big. He's still growing. I still can't yeah. believe how much I he's I remember growing. we saw him in preseason. Yeah. We're just like, oh, well, we were oh, talking he'll, his he'll feet fit in. is still growing. So yeah. he's, he's having to get new boots all the time. But He's got solid hips to make that shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
the residency kids, there's some video on Twitter. They went crazy and you could hear them from the press box when he came on. They just loved it. And then afterwards he was talking about his sister was there and there was tears. And yeah. someone asked, oh, who from? He's like, oh, no, from her, from her. But he did say he almost... Yeah, it's well, teared up. Yeah, but he goes, he goes. It wouldn't be a good idea to go walk, walk on your yeah. pitches to have it too. But I, I asked him about this after the game. It's like ten minutes before he came on. Ten minutes before they were going over the notes, so he knew he was coming on. For a young guy, ten you've minutes got ten minutes time. to think about that. It's like who who was the player that uh, made his debut? And then remember, there was some residency kids that were in the curva section. Caleb Clark. It, it was a Caleb Clark. Yeah. Oh, Caleb Clark made his debut, and I think Sam, Sam was, Sam there, was yeah. in the crowd. Uh, and and actually, Simon section. came on as well last year. The residency kids were going yeah. crazy. Yeah. At Simon coming on, yeah. so I mean that's all good. It's good to see other pl- younger players like be feel good for their teammates when they make yeah. the priority. Well, it also is good because it makes them think there is a pathway, and it's been a pathway we haven't seen a lot of, and we need to see a lot more of. But that's it from the good part of the game. So we'll end this part in a high. But we'll be back with part two, with the bad and the ugly. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Talking to yourself on your knees on the floor What will you do? What will you do? What will you do? Feed the mind to work 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 It is always the manta ray I find Slaves the last slave song from our artist of the month for for me. It'll be a new artist of the month in June. I bet you can't wait to find out who that is. I may go back to Scottish rap. Oh, great! Yeah, I thought I get to do June's. You get to do June twenty twenty seven. <laughs> but you are back listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio one hundred one point nine FM. That was from Slave's first album, Are You Satisfied? Three albums out from their London band. Check them out. They are a great band. And if they ever come over here to play, get along to see them. Now, moving on to the bad part of the Whitecaps game. Ali Adnan. Went off with an injury. Yeah. No official confirmation, but the initial indications were it's not too serious. And it was more precautionary, as, as Steve mentioned there. Second half, he walked out of the dressing room... A little bit of a limp, but it didn't seem to be moving too badly. But it does raise the question, what is with all these injuries? There's been a few hamstrings. It looked like it was a groin kind of thing for Ali. Oh, it definitely looked like a groin on the replay. Just bad luck? Or is there something in the fitness training regime that's not 
quite right and players not hydrating enough or maybe they're being there's an awful lot of injuries right now I'm not I'm, I don't know this for sure fact, but because you're not a doctor yes MDS seems to uh, has mentioned in the past that he likes to work them hard in, in training I'm sure this week w- there was a lot of breaks because of the travel uh, uh, but the question is is that the reason or it could be that maybe it is the travel where they're you know stuck on these planes and everything and they're not really uh, they can't get a flow because they're going from here to the one coast to the next coast, and the, you know, it it could be all of that because it it has happened more since the uh, congestion happened. Yeah, well, a, a good thing actually, which we we didn't mention about is we're getting a lot of these long trips out of the way early as well. Mm-hmm. So not only are we getting points on the board while we don't have a complete team performance the way that you're wanting it, you're getting these long trips out of the way as well. Just a word though on Ali. A few people were talking online this week about his attitude and body language on the pitch, saying that he seems to berate teammates. Someone asked uh, Mark DeSantis after the game about it, and he seemed to know what the question was kind of aiming at, as if he'd maybe seen it himself or been told about it. And I thought MDS answered it well. He basically, he said he's a passionate guy that holds himself and his teammates to a high standard. I do feel this is quite a North American thing, that people here... They don't like to see their teammates challenging each other or shouting at each other, which drives me nuts. It's something I've seen in football for years, and I don't see anything wrong with it. It's I'm, the same thing with, that we saw with Terry Dunfield when he was yelling at Omar Salgado yes. um, in Empire the first year. And then Barry and people, Robson got it as well because yeah. he was yelling at teammates. Well, Barry Robson might be just wasn't happy that he was lied to about the pitch surface. Uh, but the uh, I think it was more... It shows they care. Yeah, it shows they care. I know Kenny Miller was did it a lot yep. in training. Um, he was very, wasn't happy with some of the passes. I don't see anything wrong with it. Folk are like, I, oh, you should keep it behind closed doors. I, no, no, I don't see anything wrong with it because you could tell that, the, and the teammates don't see anything wrong. They, when he scored the goal, everybody was all over him and everything. So I, I don't. It's it, people need to understand that this is a team. Team teammates do this. They're a family. People yell at each other. It's not really to berate them. It's more to. Uh, get them on their game and they're trying to wake them up. Well, MDS also said as well that the players know that he's like that and that, that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I think the question he was asked was he, he he's either playing with a smile or with a kind of glare. Um, that's just how f- good footballers play. We're maybe just not used to seeing good footballers. You, <laughs> you, you want a player that holds his teammates up to a high standard and that if he's making runs or playing balls and they're not reading it, I think he has a right to be upset. I, I, I think in this case, the, it's making a mountain of a molehill. Oh, yeah. That's not like the White Caps fan base, is it? Moving on to the ugly side. And once again, the Caps were heavily outshot. They gave up 20 shots against Dallas, 18 against Red Bulls. But once again, their opponents didn't take advantage of that. Dallas had four on target from 20. New York had three on target from 18. The Caps lead the league in shots against this season. 261 shots against them in 15 matches. That's 22 more than the team in second place, DC United, who have played the same number of games as them. If you compare that to the shots that the Caps have taken, that's the second worst in the West and fifth worst in all of MLS, 158. Now, we've talked before, that's pretty unsustainable. Teams at some point, some team is surely going to take advantage of that and convert or or do whatever, but they haven't been. 
But you could also argue that a lot of that is down to good defending. We've been blocking a lot like of shots. That. There was six blocks yesterday Lots of blocks. alone. Yeah. I mean, some of it's good defending, some of it's poor finishing. It's something that we really have to work on because if teams are keeping doing this, and especially if you've got a Whitecaps team that's tired out there, or as we're going to talk about shortly, maybe understrength defensively because players are away or injured, that's going to take its toll and at some point it's going to catch up with them. Yeah, I think we said literally last week they can't continue to give away this many shots because they'll be punished. This is a week where, again, they got four points when they they probably gave up too many shots or more shots than definitely more shots than they would like. Uh, and it, yeah, it's not a good. It's not a good. Tra- it's not a good trajectory. But how many? Trend. How many of these shots are quality shots? That's the question. Uh, it has to be. Yeah, we have to talk to Optijack or whatever the hell the thing is. The name is. So in I don't order think to figure, a real person. always not a real person. You can't get him on the phone. So um, uh, that's I think you have to figure out. Like, are these coming from outside the box? Are they coming from? Like you said, a lot are, are. Yeah, and are are they like coming where the people are just trying to squeeze it through, and they, they just end up being blocked or deflected wide or something? Well, so, well, like the 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 triplet save, those were all. Oh, those well, were definitely those yeah. were all great eight chances. Yeah. But we'll get Steve to break down the two hundred and sixty-one shots. We're going to watch all watch all the games oh, and then we'll break down whether they're insider. And then you will be the king in the north. Yes, you'll as, be as op- your shirt up to Steve. Up to Steve, can we call that way? Yeah. I don't think I'm going to have time this week. <laughs> no, you got to be. Okay, week. You've, you've got till after the Gold Cup. Right? Okay, sure. We'll, we'll do that. There'll be more shots by that point, but you, you brought that up on yourself. Some other concerning stats from Opta Steve. Saturday's game against Dallas. Dallas had 60.4% possession, 623 passes to Vancouver's 424. They had a ninety percent pass accuracy from that amount of passes. Wait, what? What year is seventy nine? What year is it? I feel like this is something you might you might have they said. May have mentioned this previous years. Every single year. But you're uh, giving up a lot of possession when you have a two 0 lead. Yeah. Um. You're and you're a team that's uh, played just on Wednesday to Saturday, so it's it's hard to. Give them that much because they're they're probably trying to conserve energy so they can make it to the ninety minutes at that point, <laughs> and and uh, you also have to figure out how many passing, how much passing was for them Dallas trying to break down Vancouver and how much was actually in the final third yeah, as well. well. So that's a big thing. Well, do you have the numbers there for the final third, Michael? Fifty three percent from sixty two passes for Vancouver. no for Vancouver. Yeah, but how actually Dallas? Oh, I didn't look at theirs. Oh, okay. oh they, yeah, they were seventy nine percent actually in the final third. Oh, okay. Because I, I remember thinking, oh, their final third is the same Famous as our overall. overall yeah. But yeah, Vancouver's was 53%. Again, you look at the heat maps and it's like the opposition box is like propelling them away. Or it's lava or it's something. Repelling it's them away? Repelling them. Yeah. It's crazy. Maybe they spray something. Maybe that's what the ref's got in his Maybe they're oh. cold-blooded, the attackers, and they, they can't register on the heat map. Hmm. <laughs> So you're saying some of the white caps are dinosaurs. <laughs> or lizard people. Not dinosaurs. I, I, Indominus Rex. I watched Jurassic Indom- World today. Oh, first or, time? Yeah. First time? Dreadful. You didn't like Jurassic World? I turned it off. That's the second one. Wait, wait. No, it's the fourth one. The fifth one. What the hell are you guys talking about? There's Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 2, Jurassic Park 3, Jurassic World, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Oh, that's the one I watched. Oh, yeah. That was dreadful. It's not as good as the Jurassic The one where World. they were in the estate? And they were being chased around in their mansion? He didn't get to that, probably. I, I switched oh, yeah, it off probably. after half an hour, so I don't think I'll be revisiting yeah. it. 
Oh, it's not. You should. You've seen all the others, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should probably watch it, even though it doesn't. You, it, it's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Well, you know, it's bad, bad when you're rooting for the dinosaurs. <laughs> You would have for the dinosaurs. I thought you'd be really That's not surprising. Just trying to make myself sound, sound nice. <laughs> I'm on the dinos. I don't mean Calgary. Oh. Ultimately, the only stat that matters is the final score. And we won that 2 1. It, it's turning it around, though, and it's, it's like what to do with that. And we got an interesting tweet in from Jonathan at L O J D Vancouver on Twitter. Very long tweet. I'll just pick little bits from this. Wait, you're not going to read the whole thing? We were only a two-hour show. <laughs> it's about Felipe. And kind of building on something that we said last week where you said that Felipe kind of gets a pass on a lot of things because he's such a nice guy off the pitch that some people maybe give him a bit of a pass. I think you guys said that. He said that you said Oh, okay. But he just wants to point out some things... That's so frustrating about him from the last couple of games. The Red Bulls game, the Caps are 1-0 up, and Jonathan feels we let the Red Bulls get back into it because of a free header and a cross. And if you watch the replay, Felipe sees the guy coming, twice checks his shoulder to see where the runner is, but instead of trying to get across him, he just lets Tarek go, and then you're looking at Sutter as being the the closest player, and then we know what went wrong there. But... He said he saw that a lot last year. Defensively, Felipe is a liability. Whether you think there may have been a foul on the SKC goal or not last week, he was muscled off the ball fairly easily. The exact thing happened again against Dallas in the last couple of minutes of the game, where Felipe is half-turned with the ball, beginning to escape his control, and this time he got a free kick from the ref. The brief eye test for Jonathan, and looking at some of the stats, in 2018... 25 starts, 5 of them were subs. 33 goals for, 53 goals against from the Whitecaps. Without Felipe, only 19 goals for and 14 goals against, which is plus 5. When Felipe's on the pitch, it's minus 20. And that was Felipe's best year for a number of assists. And that was him at being asked to play a defensive role, which he didn't like. Yeah, no, he doesn't. And the thing is, uh, like, I don't think he's... I don't. I definitely don't think he's starting material in MLS, especially for a Whitecaps team that needs something different out of him. I think he, personally for me, I think he is in my top three to five players that probably shouldn't, that kind of need to move on from the Whitecaps. I, I think so as well. And Jonathan, just to finish this up, has this year's stats. When Felipe's played, we've scored four goals and let in 12. When he hasn't, we've scored 12 goals and let in seven. That's just that's strong information. Like, definitely a strong set. Mm. Maybe call him Opta Jonathan then. <laughs> got a lot of football. That, 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 no, that, I mean, I mean, that's a fair question. It's certainly something to look at. And I mean, the eye test for me is he hasn't been doing well. Didn't he hit the post in the dead ball game? Yes, he did. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, that'd be so nice if he scored against yeah. his former team. And it might need something like that. I'd still like to see him played more up front. I, I agree. I don't think defensive no, is his strength. Yeah. We've seen what he's done with other teams. You don't become a bad offensive player overnight. Like, I'd rather see Tybert in that role or obviously Andy Rose. Because Tybert offers very little offensively. So it's like, put him there and have Felipe further up. Or Andy Rose, but Andy Rose obviously was in a back three, so he couldn't do that either. So that's why... I'm liking him there, actually, surprisingly. 
it might be quite good for for things that are coming up that that we've kind of given him a little look at the back. Yeah. <laughs> which let, let's move on to that actually now. We've got one more game to go before the the Gold Cup break. That's against TFC. They lost this afternoon to San Jose 2-1. <laughs> when I initially wrote kind of our notes for this, I had TFC winning because they were 1-0 up. And then that game turned around in a hurry. Two goals from Wondo, adding, increasing, pulling further away from Landy Cakes. Kai Kamara's never going to catch him. Like in the breakdown you had it where you had stars in there about against uh, I thought you actually had an expletive. Yeah. Because they kinda they kinda they kinda shot the bed there oh, against the San Jose, especially at home. San Jose now I've I've started to turn it around, which is not great from the white caps because there's a few teams like that. There now. was a few results like that. Yeah. Well, Wanda has turned it around. Six goals in the last two games. I know. And we're like, oh, he's never gonna, he's never gonna break this well, record. Now he's just exploded against yeah, against yeah. Chicago and Toronto. Yeah. We're all together, are all our honor, Steve. <laughs> now this game against TFC, a lot is going to depend on who we have available, who is healthy. Mm-hmm. What would you like to see formation-wise? Four three three or three five two? MDS talked after the game yesterday that that's the two formations he's going to go between. And whether you say three five two or five three two, but basically four three 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 five two. I've liked Rose in the back there. Do you continue with that 3-5-2? I think at this point, because of the injuries, you have to. I think there's very little choice right now. because I agree. The, because uh, I know I know I, you'd rather have Henry, Cornelius, and uh, uh, Godoy at the back three, but I think Rose is a very capable player to play in that spot. The main issue is the injuries up front. And yeah. you need those fullbacks shooting forward, and you need a couple of strikers. And as long went, as Ali's good I, to go, yeah, yeah, I well, wouldn't change much. That's at all. that's going to be the big. That's, question. That's yeah. That's probably you know, the, by far the biggest question mark going in, Steve. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think you have to also take into consideration at least a little bit what your opponent is likely to do. So today, Toronto played, yeah. I believe, it was a four-one-four-one. But they're going to have Pasuela back. Oh, right, from well. suspension. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah, that'll change it. I, 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 I think they'll go 4-4-2. Four, four, like, like a diamond-ish? I think so. Because they're forever. Um, yeah, I, 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 think, uh, I, I, I think it's more likely that you see MDS use the 3-5-2. I, I think even if, even if Adnan can't go, if it's PC or Levi's, so probably PC at this point, uh, I still think they'll do that. One one thing I would say, like every year, the Whitecaps obviously have their unsung hero award. For me, right now, Eric Adoy is that guy. He's not mm-hmm. getting a not a lot of folk talk about him. He has been so solid back there. Yeah, I just he had, think he's looked really good. He had a, he's had a couple of hiccups this year, but that's you got to expect that when the team, yeah. players coming in from abroad and first year in MLS. Uh, but yeah, it's very solid. Uh, Henry gets obviously the big accolades because of his, yeah. um, you I, know, huge tackles. Cornelius as well is starting yeah. to turn it around. I've liked what I've seen from and, him. And the thing play. is, him against Badgie, that was just unlucky. That yeah. Badgie just it was like the way Adnan scored his goal. Badgie just got it, got through him and then yeah. finished the shot. Um, Cornelius, he could have been a little bit more rougher, but then you never know when he's going to be called for a penalty too. Where VAR comes in, it says there was a penalty. I know. I was disappointed. <laughs> I've put all my money on penalties yeah. in every game, so I'm broke now. Sorry, no, no pay for you, Steve, this week. 
But uh, TFC uh, seventh, you know, they're seventh in the East. Not, yeah. not they actually they were starting off pretty well. But then I was surprised when I was looking at their stats as to how they've kind of really oh they've dropped a bit. Yeah. yeah, five wins, six losses, two draws from thirteen games, twenty three goals for, but twenty two against. Yep. Now leading the goals though is Altidore and Pozuelo, five each. Pozuelo also leads in assists with six. Jonathan Osorio's having another good year, though, with three goals and four assists. Normally, I would want us to kick TFC off the park. Maybe not Osorio with the Gold Cup coming up. <laughs> That's it, very Canadian of you, Michael. They've well, had f- y- you might not think that when we get to the next bit. <laughs> They've had a four, uh, five-game uh, winless streak where they only picked up one draw in I those five games. I've never looked at that, actually. I meant yeah. to look, I've looked for yeah, so this, many other teams. They're in very poor, poor form right now. This is a big game for the Caps. It rounds off a busy month. They're going into it full of confidence. TFC's played a day later. They've got to travel now from from the east. They're probably not even a direct flight from Toronto to Vancouver. They're probably going to go through like Montana. I think it's only us that would book that for the cheapness. Maybe get a horse up from Montana. Oh, man. If everyone's fit, what changes do you make to that team from yesterday Reyna might be good to go he was maybe touch and go for being able to go for the game on Mm. Saturday if he is I think he would be on the bench I don't think you bring him in right away I don't think there's really too much more from that starting 11 that you would really want to change not too much I, I I would I would actually think that if Reyna is good to go I would want to start him against with with Montero right off the bat and then That'd be nice. Yeah. I, I don't see them starting. No, no. I think we'll still we'll see Venuto because Venuto had a had a good yeah, game. Yeah, that's I, true. I think Ali Adnan is on. I think it's dependent on what his actual situation is, right? Like if they know for sure he's a, a new loan is being signed, if they know they're buying him, if they know something's happening, well, we can vote him for the All Star, right? Game. They know then yeah. he has to come back. And that hard thing with him in the camp, whatever. Yep. Like if. If they know for sure he's coming back, I think that influences whether or not they want to, let's say, maybe risk him, depending on how this groin-ish tightness, whatever is, is how that's feeling. Yeah, if if we're keeping him and there's any doubt, you don't risk him. No. If he's going away, ah, what the hell? It might sound crass, but yeah. I think that's probably... Although maybe not, because we've got him to the end of June... And we'll come if what games are coming oh, up at the yeah, end of June, two, which might two, actually yeah. be way more important because of other players that we're missing. Quick, quick prediction then for the TFC game. I'll go three-one Vancouver. Ooh. I'll go three-one Toronto. I'll go two-one Vancouver. Two goals up in coasting, and then they let a late goal <laughs> in, and then backs against the wall. So deja vu. Yeah. Come again. <laughs> now the Gold Cup break will hopefully see us get some of these players back healthy. I expect them all to be pretty much good to go by the time Colorado come to visit on June 22nd. Spoke to David Norman yesterday. He's out of his boot. He's, yeah, he's... he's yeah. Yeah. So, Have you seen the video on Instagram? Oh, no. Oh, he's in the pool at 40th. I think it was Instagram. So he might be good to go in July, which would be good for Canadian Championship, if nothing else. It looks like we can expect Cripo, Henry and Tybert to be away with Canada. Probably Derek Cornelius as well, I think. Brett Levi's was also in the provisional 40-man pool, but I'd be amazed if... Yeah, if there have to be some serious injuries in order for him to get there. I have big concerns, though, 
for the Whitecaps defence if Canada go deep in that tournament. And we're all hoping they do. Well, we're not. Club before country. Always club before country. My country, Scotland. So <laughs> <laughs> Canada's a little bit down the picking order for me in that regard. Now, McMath for Cripo, I'm fine with that. The back line, though, if you've lost Henry, Cornelius probably away as well. Kamiri is still not fit. Brendan McDonough hasn't played a minute yet. But he's on the bench. He was on the bench. First time he was on the bench. I think it's quite good that we've had Andy Rose having some experience there because we could be looking at Andy Rose... With Godoy. With Godoy and maybe McDonough if you want to risk going with that. But that would be a big, big risk. I cannot see that happening. Yeah. If if Godoy has any injuries, we are in deep shit. And it depends on how deep Canada goes too. Yeah, that's the thing. Because right now they're... The group stages only cost them the the Colorado game. Yeah, but if they go deeper than that, then it's going to be you know, it could be Dallas and Seattle too. Yeah, we've got Martinique on the fifteenth, Mexico on the nineteenth, Cuba on the twenty third. Now so it's we. Colorado is the twenty second. Now it's we. <laughs> I totally forgot about the June twenty sixth game. <laughs> Uh, I, I I was totally out of my mind. I was just thinking about the twenty second and twenty ninth. Well, um, I mean, well, that's the thing. Like if. You have to think Canada's getting through that group. It'd be a huge surprise if they don't get through that group because the top two go through. Now, that sets up a quarterfinal on June 29th, which rules out the Dallas game and, most importantly, rules out Seattle away Mm -hmm. as well on the 29th. So you could be heading to Seattle with a really scary backline. So for me, come on, Cuba. (laughs) Are you guys with me on that? No. If they went really deep and made the final, we were also missing them from LAFC as well. Probably not expecting too much from that LAFC game, but that group of games of Colorado, Dallas and Seattle, that is three, well, two winnable games and Seattle could be touch and go, you you never know. Mm -hmm. Big, big losses. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, we do want Canada to do well, but not at the expense of... And remember, if they go really deep, then you don't even have Adnan. Oh yeah, if he doesn't sign either, he would be away. Eek! Anyway, we'll be back in part three with a look around MLS. Hi, this is Andy Rose, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Like I was a curve, I struck a nerve, and now you're about to see the southern plague is serve. I heard it's not where you from, but where you pay rent. Then I heard it's not what you make, but how much you spend, you got me bent like elbows, amongst other things, but I'm not worried. Because when we set up in the party, like I'm not too sorry. So I... Yo, 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 welcome back to the AFTN <laughs> Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Yeah, you don't sound cool when you do that. Yeah, just please, you know. please stop. Uh, just uh, give you a heads like up. an outcast? Because <laughs> oh, that was Outcast. Yeah, the song was, was the song was Atlians because they're from Atlanta, oh. and the combination of Atlanta and Aliens, and obviously Alien. There's a big. Uh, we'll talk about it more in 1979. 
Oh, right. Hey, buddy, came, big movie yes. came out. I loved your acting year. last week. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I get to do it again. I've brought props this week. <laughs> so, MLS. Atlanta's in MLS. They didn't have a, a good week. <laughs> it wasn't... It, it, it wasn't a great week for the White Cats in terms of the teams around them because so many teams picked up points. The West is getting congested already. It's looking a scary place. You should go see its doctor. We finished the weekend in ninth place, which is where we started it last weekend after after the show. But just one point back now from the playoff places. Yeah, we're touching one point the playoff back line. Off Dallas, making that June the twenty sixth game really good, touchy feely of getting within to Dallas. Yeah. This weekend saw nine, <laughs> nine Western teams won. LA Galaxy, RSL, LAFC, the Whitecaps, Minnesota, Portland, Colorado, KC, and today, San Jose. Only three Western teams lost, and they all lost to other Western teams, Dallas, Houston, and Seattle. A few standout performances, we'll just have a little quick chat about that. RSL, they were excellent in beating Atlanta 2-1. They led to the 78th minute, and then it looked like it was going to be a draw. Martinez got another goal for Atlanta. It was one all, But then Golazzo from Jefferson Savarino in the 95th minute gave him the what could be a huge three points at the end of the season. But for RSL, that's three straight wins now. The last two have come against TFC and Atlanta, so yeah. good teams. Five wins from the last seven. And they're now sitting nicely sixth in the standings. These are the teams you're not wanting to to be picking points up. And I know it's still early in the season, but it already feels like all these points are crucial. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge for RSL to to have done what they've done in those last two games. I know we mentioned Toronto's on a bit of a slide, and Atlanta has not had a spectacular start to the season, but those are massive points against... The teams in the in the East that you would not necessarily think would be easy to to take it when the when the schedule came out. I think you know it's bad in Atlanta when somebody had tweeted out, "Oh, they've taken off their best player, Brick Shea." <laughs> Someone tweeted that. Yeah. What? He has better. been having a good season for Atlanta. They're, they were actually they were talking about that in the pregame show on TSN about how some players just need to find the right landing spot, the right team. And for Breck Shea, for all the stick we've given him, he looks pretty good with Atlanta. He seems to have found the right spot. He's settled into the left-back role, and he's doing well. Good Maybe there's some players out there in MLS that we could take. A kind of a project, a, a player that we need to turn around, because we don't have many of them. <laughs> LAFC. Totally dominant. I, I have no idea how this game finished 4-2. Because they were 4 0 up. Late goals from Coast. Yeah, one, was, their foot off the gas. one yeah. was an own goal, I think. Yeah, when that one went in, the LA keeper was so pissed off. Obviously, he's on a clean sheet bonus, but he he was like human when that happened. But And the second one was a penalty, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. T- we're still Tadir, the only team Tadir. to beat LAFC. Tadir. Maybe we can go there in July and make it two from two. I'm toying with going down for that because I'd like to see the stadium. It just looks like a great little setup in the. Supports behind the goal just seem awesome. It's nice to have some lots of good flag waving during play. Supporters behind the goal, packed as well. No empty seats. Everyone there for kickoff. Well before, yeah. But we walked in yesterday. You're looking at the stadium. You're like, holy shit! Y- you're it was wondering, so did you empty. walk in at the 35th minute? Yeah. <laughs> 
And but even in the in the south side, it was empty. And then five minutes in that kickoff, that area was packed. It's just it's, it still baffles me. I, someone said because uh, we had someone come late too, and I think there was again long lines outside. So I think oh. people might have come. Maybe closer again, to my skytrain was empty coming down. I always take that as a, an ominous sign when, when you come in. But just over eighteen thousand as well. So no. that's announced. Did you see? Did you see the numbers for the Philly? Did, no, you didn't I didn't the, look at the attendances elsewhere. This no, no, so the the real oh, for the Whitecaps. The real numbers for the Whitecaps. Oh no, the what's his was name? Was that on the breaker? Yeah, he put up the numbers. So the people that actually showed up. Yeah, the actual bought, people, num- yeah. number in the stadium. Doesn't have for the Portland and the game after that, but uh, the Philly game and the game after the Philly game. I think was it thirteen? Oh, I don't know. I didn't look Ooh. at it. I think there was thirteen for both those in in the ground. But again, they they announce how many they got yeah. paid. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. But it's good. It's no good to know. It's good yeah, to know how many people are showed up. So they announced they announced like seventeen and like four thousand less actually showed. Jeez. Well, I mean, talking to Philadelphia. Portland went there. Philly were leading the East before Portland went there. End of the weekend, they're no longer leading the East. That's DC United. Timbers with a 3-1 win. Two goals and an assist from Brian Fernandes in this one. I kind of questioned the acquisition. I was like, oh, it's a lot of money that they're paying when you, Same. you saw what the Mexican yeah. team had did. But it does appear that you get what you pay for. So you, you, you got to give it time because a lot of players come into MLS and then light it up and then takes the, takes the league some time to figure them out. So you got to see how that works out. But yeah, initially, it's looking good it's so looking far. looking very good. Portland now four wins and a draw from the last six games. Their only loss was to the Caps. Excellent. Run, running trend here. If anybody's going to lose to the Caps, it should be Portland. Yeah, hopefully Seattle as well soon. <laughs> Today, the other Cascadia team, Seattle... They lost 3-2 in an enjoyable match in KC. Enjoyable because Johnny Russell hit a hat-trick. The, Lovely his, stuff. His, his second goal was quite something. Do you, I, if you like Adnan's jinking between defenders. I'm starting to think we're not going to be able to sign him. Yeah. <laughs> well, it could be that maybe Johnny Russell saw that Chad Marshall wasn't playing anymore. He thought, oh, maybe I'll get a hat-trick. KC, though, is another team. You don't want them getting out of their slump. It's like... RSL, we're in a bit of a slump. They've got KC, outfit Portland, San Jose, San Jose. Colorado. Oh, maybe. Well, yeah, Colorado now with two yeah. wins. Still a long way back for them, but they seem to have turned something around. San Jose, though, there was a great fight back against TFC, as we talked about in the last part, and they're just looking such a different team. And you did think he would turn it around, and we talked about this last week, but, man, the West is so tight. Colorado... Still quite a bit out of it in, in last spot, but between 6th and 11th, only five points are separating those six teams. Seven if you then go up to fifth place. Yeah. I still think the top four, and I'm including Houston in that, have kind of pulled away a little bit, but Houston losing yesterday shows they could be quite easily drawn back into it. The two LA teams in Seattle, they, they look like they've pulled away and there shouldn't be any big, big drama. We have seen Dallas like cock it up before in the past so I mean you never know every point is crucial though right now this spell that's coming up for the Whitecaps before the the transfer window with the players being away you're looking at TFC this week then Colorado Dallas Seattle LAFC so five games what would you be looking for 
as an optimal thing to get from that. Obviously, you want five wins, but realistically, what would be a good... I'd like seven points out of that, so two wins and a draw would be good out of those five games. What are you, what, did you include the Dallas game? No, away. You're, Dallas away. away. Yeah, okay. Because three of them are on the road. That's the thing. It's yeah. a tough three-game spell yeah. when we're depleted. Yeah, so I, I'm hoping they can beat TFC, get the win against Colorado, and then draw one of those last three games. That that would be ideal. Yeah, I think seven. And and the thing is, we're gonna we're gonna know exactly where Vancouver sits after this three-week break because I think that some of those ML, uh, Western teams are still playing. If I'm not mistaken, and uh, I think yeah, Vancouver has about have to make some yeah, Vancouver some has three games in hand on a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some's only played twelve. The teams like KC and things that were involved yeah. in the in the Champions League. Well, moving on to another thing that's been a big talking point in MLS this week, and we talked about it in part one: travel charter flights. Now we know the Whitecaps are worst in terms of how many miles they have to travel: fifty-one thousand. 210 miles they travel this year. To put that into context with, say, TFC, another Canadian team, 32,970. And we're probably a long trip for them this coming Friday from coast to coast. So a big, big discrepancy. The nightmare of getting to, to New York Red Bulls, arriving at a hotel 2.30 in the morning of a match is... Certainly not ideal. No. Didn't seem to hinder them too much. We got a point. Maybe we should do this all the time. You're being but, sarcastic, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's something it needs to be worked on. We talked last week, Garber's talking about in- yeah. increasing charters. That doesn't matter if yeah. you don't use them. Yes, and I think the thing, what I'd like to see is if, if MLS really wants parity, then maybe they should make the travel more pair, uh, make that more even and by g- paying for the charter flights of teams that have to travel more. Like if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna put a team in a, a thing where, for example, that game the time they played Wednesday and then they had to go to on Saturday into Orlando, that should be a charter that's paid by AMLS because they put them in that position because of the schedule making. Yeah, I, I think that would be ideal. Uh, just a first step. Well, another out thing out. you could look at is if it's over a certain distance. Yes. That they make it mandatory that you have to go by charter. But why not MLS pay for it? Let, the, the league should pay for it. It would kind of be even amongst all the teams. Well, yeah. Like, all this expansion money. Yeah. Where does it, where does it go? Well, that's the, that's part of the game, though, Michael. The expansion, the expansion money... D- <laughs> The MLS owners don't count that against their soccer operation costs. No, yeah. It, it it's comes a to them. In, yeah, exactly. It and comes it, to them in a separate check that they they. I, I'd be shocked if any one of them counts that against their their uh, soccer operation. And if some costs. wants a better product on the field in order to boost their ratings, why not they pay for it? But that's the thing, though. The, they won't. I mean, look at club. My, my understanding is like like MLS uh, in Toronto. They, they not only do they, I think, use all their charter flights. They, or, or maybe they don't use all. Of them. But what they do is, they they buy out the whole plane. Is what I've what I've heard. Mm. So that it so it would be cheaper than a charter. Cheaper than a charter, and but the same kind of or, or similar kind of feel for your players. It's not just the Whitecaps that's, that's had big issues this year. Montreal were very vocal about the the travel plans they had a couple of weeks ago. Philadelphia as well when they came mm-hmm. here were not happy at having to play an early afternoon game and then have to wait for hours and hours and hours and then fly the next morning back to Philadelphia. After that match with Philadelphia, our our good friend Harjit Jahal spoke to Alejandro Bedoya. 
uh, for an article that she was doing on charters. So she's kindly let us have the audio because there's a lot of good stuff in it here from, from Bedoya. So let's just play that now. We know how challenging travel can be in MLS. What do you think needs to be done to kind of help the players and to make it easier? Oh my gosh, well, it's, I mean, it's the obvious answer is charter flights, right? I mean, you look at the way we got here. We flew out of Philly, um, you know, connecting flight through Chicago, got away, sitting on a, a United airplane, which I think United airplanes got to have the smallest legroom in economy because, I mean, you're just so tight in there. We land at around 1130, at, at, at like 11 at night. We get to the hotel at 12 at night here, midnight in Vancouver, which is pretty much three in the morning Philly time eat dinner at that late, you know. Uh, it's just ridiculous. I think it's absurd. And, and, you know, you're talking about optimizing player performance. Talk about um, health and safety of players. You know, this all takes into account. Then we got to come here, play on turf, which is not ideal either, especially this turf. Uh, you know, I think, well, Cincinnati, to be fair, I think has the best turf in the league, but uh, this isn't the best one, I don't think. Um, and then now, you know, we play an early game. And uh, we have all this time now. What are we going to do? I mean, just lay here and then waste another full Sunday flying back when we could easily just have a charter tonight, take a red eye back, and we're back home and at 7 and 8 in the morning. I'm back in my bed and, and getting rest, you know, another full day's rest instead of, you know, wasting a full day traveling in cramped seats. And, uh, and, you know, when we have a midweek game, you know, Wednesday and play Saturday again. So, I mean, that's the obvious answer. Uh, charter flights, they need to... I guess put their money with their mouth is. You know, I'll never forget the article that Rob, Robert Kraft has had uh, in Sports Illustrated about the Patriots, why he bought a second plane. And he's talking about player safety, player health. It's important. Recovery is so important, this and that. But here in MLS, you know, we're, we're not there yet. But we'll, we better be there in CBAs up this year, and that's going to be a strong... Now, in order to craft charter flights, it's expensive. Parks may be looking at $20 million for charter flights. Do you True. think that could be... A reason or a suggestion as to why they don't have them because it is so expensive because the league's still growing and developing. I mean, sure, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> revenues are there. I mean, new franchises are coming in. They just announced they're going to go to thirty for sure. And what they are charging the franchise fee two hundred million dollars to get in the league just to get in the league. I mean, and you know, we're coming into an interesting um, uh, state here in MLS where I think you've seen now new owners come in. Uh, the old guard is no longer, you know. Um, the most important, you know, those teams are better uh, pick it up because I think you can see the new ownership groups and the new teams that have come into the league have really uh, uh, put um, a lot of investment into their own club and, you know, we've seen how uh, those franchises have been doing and have raised the level of quality in the league. So, I mean, but, I mean, to make no mistake, I think um, the next step is, you know, with the travel so, so crazy here that... Um, Charter flights are going to be important, especially for, for us. I mean, we have a midweek game. I mean, you're you're allowed a certain amount, and I think you, sh you know they're not mandatory to be used. But in a position like this, I mean, we <laughs> I mean we want to win. We want to try to make. Uh, we got a team here that's you know trying to, to fight and and you know not just make the playoffs, but be a contender. And uh, you know if we got to optimize the, the recovery and our players' bodies, and the best way I think to do it is we should have been flying home tonight on a charter. Uh, red eye and got home early tomorrow morning to rest up and, and be ready for our home games this week. There was a suggestion that because of it's so expensive that 
you know, teams aren't going to be needing to use the charter every week, so maybe perhaps they could share the charter. They're suggesting the Cascadia teams, could, three of them could share. Do you sure. think maybe that could be a solution or that could be an option? That could be a solution, definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm not calling for every flight to be a charter. I mean, I think there's flights where on the East Coast or on the West Coast where it's just like just over an hour flight, under two hour flights, where that's no issue for, for you don't need to fly charter then. But I think cross country, uh, especially a midweek game, there should be no doubt about it. We should be flying charter. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Um, and then, like you said, if you split them like that, Cascadia teams and maybe the teams on the East Coast, you know, the Red, the New York Red, uh, the, the, the New York teams, for example, um, that, that could be an option. Um, also, um, what was I going to say? I think. Um, I just had a thought in my mind that I just escaped my thought in my mind. Um, Do you think but it yeah, I'm not sing- calling for a charter every single time. I'm calling for a, a mandatory charter for a freaking uh, t- uh, time zone, you know, type of trip from the West Coast to the East Coast. And then although the other thing was uh, for us, we flew to L.A. last week, not this last weekend, the weekend before, went all the way home to play a game and then flew all the way out here to Vancouver again. I mean, if you look at NBA teams, they go on a West Coast trip, so to speak. I would have preferred that. I would have stayed uh, like this man. He got to stay out here on the West Coast. I would have preferred to just, I mean, maybe our wives might be upset with us or something. But trust me, it would have been a lot better for us to play the game in L.A., stay in L.A. and have it the schedule set up. So like the following weekend, we were in Vancouver where we just, you know, take a short trip over to Vancouver, get rid of those West Coast games that we have on our schedule and head back. And, you know, that would have been a better solution, too. Yep, charter flights for sure. And the thing is, he mentioned the CBA there. Yeah. And if you just joined, that was Alejandro Bedoya from Philadelphia Union, interviewed there by Harjit Jahal. Give her a follow on Twitter at her journalist. But he mentioned the CBA there. It's coming up for renewal. I really, really want the players this time to to push hard. To get what they deserve. I do feel they gave up way too easy the last time. They were kind of steamrollered. And they, they need to push for this. And Don Garber's made comments that he's open to to having these increased charter flights. We said it before. That means nothing. You have to make sure that clubs are using them. Or clubs will not. Yeah. And... You don't want to go down the mandatory route, but if it's over a certain distance or if you have to have a a layover of a certain number of hours or whatever, you have to make sure they go charter. And the thing is, Philadelphia, they're complaining about this. They've got one of the lowest travels throughout MLS and they're complaining about this. And that's from one game. We have this so many times over the course of a season. It's absolutely crazy. I like this point, which again, you talked about, we talked about last week is, hey, why don't we just schedule this a little bit better? Yeah, that as well. Because flying back and forward yeah. in big distances, it's absolutely stupid. It's like Portland, as much as you hate Portland, had to go out to the East Coast for twice for two Saturday games. Why not have one of those as a midweek game? Makes no sense at all. Anyway, we will be back with part four after this. Hi, I'm Carl Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN podcast.
the junction one of my favorite songs from from squeeze so that's giving me a, a weird look as if that means something dirty no it, no it was my headphones oh. <laughs> we're on the up, wrong way up the junction is just kind of like uh, cockney slang for being screwed oh i'm in the, i'm in the shit now that was from squeeze's second album cool for cats released on may 18th 1979 charted this week in 1979 ended up reaching number two it's one of, like, Squeeze, the two guys behind it, Christopher Glenn Tilbrook, two of the best songwriting duos I think you'll find out there. They, they're just so good at telling stories. This is a story about a guy meeting a girl, them having a baby, him having to work more to get money for the baby, him drinking too much, the wife leaving him, and then him just being left with his empty bottles of booze. Is either Chris or Glenn dead? And do you know which one it is if one of them is? They're both still alive. Because oh, I, I so saw them at the Commodore, I think, last year. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. No, so we don't have to, hopefully we don't have to worry about that for a while. Rest in peace, Chaz. You are listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Also in the charts this week, 40 years ago, in Canada, reunited by Peaches and Herb, followed its success in the US by reaching number one here for the first of two weeks. It was still number one in the in the US for another week. In UK, great song by Blondie, Sunday Girl was the number one. There was a new number one album in Canada, Breakfast in America by Supertramp. We played Supertramp as one of our artists in this section earlier this year. It was to stay number one for five weeks. Also number one in the US, whereas in the UK, Abba's Voulez Vous was the number one album. In movies, now this is where Steve will be interested. The first Alien movie was released May 25th, 1979. I've never been a big fan of the Alien movies. No, I'm not a huge fan of them. I like sci-fi, that never grabbed me. It's also a little bit uh, um, claustrophobic, that movie, so Mm. it it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. I think I've only seen it once. It might be one of those movies. There's some movies I saw when I was younger. Another one is like the David Lynch film Dune. Yeah. That oh, I think dude. if I see that again, you might like I it might more. like it. Yeah, I think older, same thing with me and it. Obviously, but the most, uh, one of the most iconic scenes is uh, the the thing you were trying to show there and the charades. <laughs> the Whitecaps, they didn't play 40 years ago this weekend. They had 11 days off, much like the Whitecaps are going to have coming up soon. They did travel, though, to Edmonton for the first time on May 30th. It was a 3-1 win in front of 10,529 fans at Commonwealth Stadium. A Kevin Hector hat-trick. King Kev, 10 goals in 10 games from Hector. Five straight wins from the Whitecaps. Eight from their last nine. They were on a roll back in 1979. And you'll get to see some of these guys at BC Place this coming Friday. I'm looking forward to it, having a chat with a few of them on Thursday as well. So we'll bring that in some future shows. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's nice to pay tribute to your history. I know a lot of folks say it's a different club. Grab what you can in, in Canadian soccer, that's what I say. But that was 1979.
was different times in 1979. Some good, some not so good. One thing they didn't have in 1979 mm. was a Canadian football league. Proper football, not the throw, throw skin kind. We have that now, of course. The CPL is up and running. Fast approaching the end of the spring season. Well, there's a month, maybe not that fast. It's all over, though, bar the shouting. This first part, Cavalry FC, they're on a seven-game overall unbeaten run. Five in the league, two in the Canadian Championship. Still leading the way, unbeaten in those matches. Another win this weekend over HFX Wanderers. Who is going to stop them, and how are you going to be able to stop them? I don't know, but Tommy Wielden's brother did play, I think, this weekend. I don't know if he's played before. I don't know what you've got against Josh. Nothing. Is it just because he's English? No. <laughs> I'm not you. No, it was just he, that, that one play. was. I was disappointed that made Marco lose that one game against TSS. But no, I, I, we were asking last week, he played this week, right? We're, last week we were yes. like, oh, has he even played? And yeah. then he played this yeah, week. He did. Uh, another interesting game on Saturday, York Nine's first home CPL game. Some growing, Some league growing pains. Yes. <laughs> It does make you wonder at what months they could possibly do a Canadian Premier League season where it's not going to get disrupted by horrendous weather at some point. Yeah, but I, I, th- I worry, though, for the championship game in October. I think this is a one-off year, it seems like, because I don't recall it being this bad this late into the year. I think Zach might have a little story to tell about going <laughs> to games in May and not making it. Yeah, the good old Voyager's Cup in Edmonton, May 6th. No doubt, but no. Here's the thing: you, I know some of these things wouldn't it wouldn't matter, uh, but you, ultimately, long term, you need to like I believe not all, but most of their setup in Calgary, most of the setup in uh, Langford, you need to have a covered stadium. Yeah, like I think in Langford, they're not really planning on covering the supporter end, like they're not in Calgary. I think they need to rethink that. I think they need I, to add. It's still. It- I mean, I've been to some really shitty football stadiums around yeah. Scotland. And back in the 70s and 80s, in, in England in particular, the away fans were always putting the uncovered end. It's yeah. like you just wanted to make it a hostile atmosphere just altogether. York 9 put them in midfield. Yeah. That was <laughs> but, weird. <laughs> but but that, that was... So there was a couple of different issues that happened aside from just the weather itself. There was some logistical... And if anyone hasn't seen it, there was a, a break for lightning, so there was a big right. stop. So again, that. a roof is not going to stop that. No. For a roof for supporters, but it's not going to stop there's that. There's been too many games where we're struggling to see through the camera lens because the rain's just been absolutely horrendous. Because the cameras aren't covered, yeah. But that's all all over MLS too. MLS, is, this has been happening too, where there's been delays in games and... I mean, there's no weather. easy answer because what you don't want is more midweek games because you're seeing some really poor crowds for that. But Cavalry are interestingly... They haven't been announcing crowds for some of their midweek matches. When I've been trying to find it for, and there's been some games where it's like it's not even like MLS where here's the sold number. It's kind of like a very even round number, and then the next game's the same, mm. and you're kind of like, hmm, yeah. But th- th- that game between York Nine and Forge, what happened was when the delayed happened. I don't know if you know about this, but when the delay happened, they told the supporters leave the stadium. The game's been canceled. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, so a bunch of people left. Only to find out that things that the picked- team capitulated once they got back in the pitch. Yeah, and then there was then there was a big screw up on one soccer with the feeds, 
because there was two games happening at one time and yeah ah, i i watched a bit but then i had to leave to the game so i, I didn't know that so th- there yeah. was issues with that yeah ah. hopefully you ho- i mean this doesn't make up for it for the people who are trying to follow their their team i think the halifax people are i think they got the short end of the stick uh i've not been overly happy with some of the one soccer stuff you can't put any of the live games back so right. if you want, if it's like, oh, I've just missed that. I want to go back. You can't put it back. And they've been really slow in getting the replays up and even slower getting the 15-minute highlights up. Because I've got to be honest, there's a lot of games I can't. Yeah. Like York and Forge, I just had it on in the background while I was getting ready. Most times I'm not going to really care about watching that. We need to take a little bit more interest, though, in Forge because the Whitecaps are going to end up playing Forge or Cavalry. Cavalry, Cavalry, yeah, and yeah, in, in the Canadian Championship in in July, it was the the three first round matches were wrapped up this week. Now, Blainville did really well. They only lost one 0 to York after drawing the first game nil nil, and it was a late York goal that won it. Family and friends night, uh, the, the first ever game. That York, what was it? Oh, it was, yeah. I didn't see the. I think they announced twelve hundred, but oh. I think that was uh, uber generous. The Va- Von Azuri beat Halifax Wanderers yes. 1-0. And lost. considering they only lost the first leg 3-2 yeah. with a stoppage time penalty, a great performance. For me, though, I, I know they had some weakened teams out there. There wasn't full-strength sides that went out. There should be a bigger gap between League One Ontario and the Quebec Premier League teams and these CPL teams, you would hope. And the fact that there wasn't, I know it's cup and teams get up for the cup and all yeah. that. Yeah, they were de- a little concerned. They were de- those teams were definitely up for it. They're up for it too. And also these teams have been playing uh, longer together. Uh, yep. So they they have a little bit more chemistry. Like we said, we talk about the, the white caps. The intangibles, the, Michael. The white, the white caps have been put together this year. Look at every CPL team except for Calvary. They've been put together basically this year. And that's why Calvary yeah. is at well, the Well, yeah, I mean, you're seeing exactly the benefit of having a year with a PDL team. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if there's some expansion clubs looking to join in 2021, 2022, something like that, these teams should take a leaf out of Cavalry's book. Get a team in some league that you can then get but your you, players. Yeah. And but you, most, a lot of those leagues want uh, multiple years commitment. That yes, yeah, could like could be prohibitive. Lovers, for example, had yeah. to send a three year commitment to yeah. to the PDL USL League Two. And talking of that, another Calgary team's running away with that. Calgary Foothills unbeaten in the season, three games against TSS Rovers in the space of eight days, two wins and a draw for Calgary. Basically. It's, don't want to say it's completely ended TSS's season, but it almost has. So we're not even at the halfway mark, but because they had to play this top team three times and they've lost two of them, it's just really not been good. And So you're saying you're not going to go to any more of the TSS games? I kind of have to because I'm coming oh, to right. I'm not going to the next one because I'm going to be away on holiday oh, yeah. against Victoria Highlanders. But mentioning that game, June 7th, Friday, June 7th, it's free to everyone. They want to try and pack Swan Guard. Can get free tickets, get sports clubs along, get family and friends along, get as many people as you can. First game of the Juan de Fuca plate. Yeah, what and, more could you want? And the uh, I took advantage of that, and I also the the uh, one of the fantastic things is they provided five dollars to donate to charity as yes, well through Chimp. And so what I did was I added another uh, because the tickets are usually ten dollars. I've added another twenty, so I donated twenty five dollars. 
Oh, uh, I thought you meant you had another twenty tickets. No, no, twenty, <laughs> no, twenty dollars to the donation. And if anybody can afford to do that, I, I'd That's recommend very it. Nice, it's yes. very, it's very good uh, cause. So There's check, a lot of good causes on there. Yeah, on that check out TSS website. Rovers on Twitter or tssrovers.com and you'll get all the information. The next game for them is June 7th against Victoria Highlanders. It's first of two games this year for the Juan de Fuca Plate. TSS Rovers are the defending champs after winning it for the first time last year. Now, a guy that played for Victoria Highlanders last year was Callum Montgomery, who was yeah. picked very high in the MLS Super Draft, which I was quite surprised by, as I said at the time, because I didn't think he'd had... A great season in PDL, but he had impressed with Carolina in NCAA. And he's a he's a centre-back, and we know they go quite high. He was drafted by FC Dallas, made the trip to BC Place yesterday. A lot of his family and friends were in the stand. Didn't get on the, on the pitch, unfortunately. But after the match, AFTN podcaster Gideon Hill caught up with Callum just to ask him about how he's kind of found life in Dallas and coming through from Victoria into MLS. All right, Callum, you came through Victoria Highlanders a couple years there in mm-hmm. North Carolina for four years. What do they contribute to your your game now and how do they kind of help you in your upbringing through professional soccer? Yeah, massively. You know, with the Victoria Highlanders, Steve Simonson was a massive part of my um, coaching as a coach and a mentor to me and stuff. And that was back when I was a center mate. And then when I got to school, I made the transition to center back. And, um, you know, Kevin Langan and the coaching staff there really molded me, I think, into the player I am today and stuff. So, but I, there's lots of people, even with the PDL in the summer, Thomas, those guys, Dave Dew, those guys have also played a massive part in my, to getting me where I am today. Come through Victoria, it's a hard jump to MLS, but can you just talk about the draft experience, draft day itself, if you want, and just kind of, you know, bring us up to date about what it's been like in the last couple, you know, months here in Dallas? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was a very special day down in um, Chicago for drafting and stuff, and today I'll never forget it. They go all out for it. It was definitely a big event, but a week later you have to hit the hit the ground running and stuff and you go from you know being a top player in the country to the bottom of a team again and you have to work your way up so it's been a transition and I'm learning every day and just trying to get better as I can. No appearances yet for you but how difficult has it been not getting one and how hard are you working to to kind of get that even first minute first couple minutes off the bench leading up to starts? Yeah obviously you want to be playing but we have some very experienced center backs here you know Matt Hedges and Reto Ziegler and even Brisson those guys are all older players that have tons of experience under them so they've just been great role models for me I'm just trying to learn from them as much as I can in training and you know when my time comes which I know I will at some point I'm just going to try to take it in two hands you know. Mentioned as a center back how has it been learning under their experienced tutelage from MLS mm-hmm. quality your qualities you mentioned through Reto Ziegler playing at World Cups and What's it been like for you just learning under them? Yeah, it's, it's, game? it's pretty cool. You sit down, you know, at lunch and stuff, and you get to talk to them about all the stories they've had of playing the World Cup and this and that. And it's definitely inspiring and motivates you to accomplish that. But it's also pretty cool to be able to share a field with those guys day in and day out and just learn from their work ethic and their habits and what they do well and what succeeds to just help my game any way I can. I'm sure you've heard of the CPL, Kendall's newest team, Pacific, playing out of uh, West Hill Stadium in Langford. Having a professional team in the island, in, uh, in addition to Victoria, what's that been like to see it from a distance kind of transpire? And, and have you been keeping an eye on it at all, really? Yeah, I've watched it a little bit. Um, watched the game here or there online. But I think it's great for Canadian soccer. You know, there's a lot of gaps with players that you could get lost. And I think this is going to fill that and give players a place to play and a place to get seen to hopefully rise up through the ranks and even contribute to the Canadian national team. And it just personally, what's this experience like for you? You know, a professional job every day. You're doing what you love, but just being around these guys, as you mentioned, must be so much fun for you just to play the game you love and, and, and take in all this kind of 
what not from other players yeah. and then getting the, you know the the experience from them yeah it's cheesy to say but it's a dream come true completely you know i'm doing what i love and getting paid for it and at the same time traveling around you know i grew up coming to watch the white caps so it's a special moment for me to be able to play a game or sit on the bench even in in this type of environment to experience that so i'm just trying to take it day by day and learn as much as i can and hopefully start contributing on the field soon awesome thanks cal awesome Callum Montgomery there talking to to Gideon and he hasn't made any minutes yet for Dallas but he is learning a lot. You do wonder though whether he will make it in MLS. He surely has to be a guy that at some point is going to end up back in the island with with Pacific FC. Well, let's give him a chance to see what he can do with MLS uh, first. I think they will give him two, maybe three years before they ship him back to see... He needs to be back. playing. It's kind of surprising oh, sure. in a way that they're he just could be loaned. on the bench. He could be loaned to CPL Yeah, he probably sure. will be in, in, in the summer. Well, yeah, because there are... We've been told that loan deals are open between all the leagues in the yeah. CPL, so... And, yeah. and, and they are right, quite desperate for some defenders right, right now. Yeah, he. I won't recommend any more to them. He had uh, some friends along from Nanaimo for the game, including Jacob Burnley. Who they they were there and they were actually kind of hoping maybe Vancouver would score a few more quick goals at the beginning of the second half that maybe would have put the game out of sight that might have made him, allowed him to make his debut but obviously that didn't happen. Yeah, when the subs were going on, I was wondering if they would maybe bring him on, but a game like that it's it's, it's too close. But yep, we we talked about CPL, Cavalry FC running away with it. Tommy Fielden is the the head coach of Cavalry FC. We're going to have him on the show next month as well, just talking about a few things. So I think we might dedicate this this wavelength to him. Although we could probably dedicate it to a number of former Whitecaps players. And when you listen to it, you'll you'll work out why. It's from 1978. It's by a, a singer called Ed Banger. Used to be a group Ed Banger and the Nosebleeds. Still going, they've reformed. And this is a song called Canel Tommy. <laughs> What are you doing? Get out, Tommy! What are you doing? Get out! Right, you got the ball now, Tommy. You're going down the wing. You beat one. You beat two. You beat three, Tommy. You beat four. You got open goal, Tommy! Come on! Go, Tommy! You missed that one, two! Get out! Right, Tommy, you're going down the middle now. You've you beat one, Tommy. Go on, you run a second. And the third. Just get around that ball. Go on, Tommy. Open goal. Come on. Come on, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. You missed that one, too. Kinnell. Right, Tommy, you're bad on you, the wing. Get over there with your left foot. OK, you've got a ball now, Tommy. You're going down. you beat one. Two, one, two, come on, Tommy, get out. Get on the end. Three, four. You didn't win a chance, Tommy. Come on. 
free kick now, turn the edge of the box. Right, I'm gonna count to four, right? And you just flip it over and I'll whack it in, okay? You're right. I don't know what's gonna come in now. One, two, three, four, one. Okay, now. All right, go on, Tommy. Try again. Tommy, we got belly. Look, you're gonna take this one now, Tommy. Well, count to four again, and you've got to let it in the left-hand corner, right? Okay. Here we go. One, two, three. Kianel Tommy by Ed Banger from 1978. That was tonight's wavelength. I could see you two guys really enjoying that. And it wasn't necessarily about any white cap called Tommy, but we have had a few strikers that do go in and go, and you think they're going to score. They don't. And you do kind of go, Ganel. Oh, like Brick Shea in the Champions League in, in Mexico? Lucas Venuto yesterday. Joaquin Ardiez, most time he's on the ball. Just all, all that kind of stuff. I think uh, I thought it was against Tommy, Tommy Heineman. I oh, know. I, I liked him. The Wolf Man. He's retired now, eh? Yeah. He's well, coaching somewhere. Lots of uh, MLS Whitecaps have retired. He was coaching at UBC for a little while while oh, he was playing right. with the Whitecaps. Right, yeah. And we're coming from UBC, and we'll be back with the final part of tonight's show after this. Hi, I'm Brennan McDonough, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the final part of tonight's AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Now, we have to start this part of the show just before we get into our BC Soccer Web headlines with a really sad headline that has kind of been in the local soccer community this week. SFU clan player 
CCB LFC United player Brandon Bassey sadly passed away on Thursday night, was in a car accident in the early hours of Saturday morning. 19-year-old centre-back, brother of Derek Bassey, who many of our listeners will know and remember from playing with the, the Whitecaps back what, 2011, 2012? Yeah, the PDL team, the, yeah. Came through the residency. Brandon also spent some time with the residency. Less than two weeks ago, he was lifting the Provincial A Cup with CCB over in Nanaimo. Had a, such a bright future ahead of him. He was going to be in his second year with the SFU clan, was expected to get a lot of playing time. Very highly thought of player. A lot of people have said he had probably more potential than, than his brother Derek. And, and So he, that's saying a lot because yeah, Derek was pretty Derek, good. We were very high in Derek. And Derek captained the side. Yeah. yeah. Brandon. People have said he, he was good enough to, to go pro. It was going to be a good year. He was trained to be a teacher. Just heartbreaking loss for all the Bassey family, for all his friends and, and family, just all his teammates that knew him. 19 years old, just so, so sad. And we just want to pay our condolences tonight and just say RIP, Brandon. Yeah, definitely. No easy way to transition to that, so let's just get straight to BC Soccer Web Headlines. So BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news, stories, links and a lot more besides. Make it part of your daily routine, morning and night. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your lazy eye in the site this week, Steve? A uh, few little things here. Um, looks like uh, Infantino will not be getting his Nobel Peace Prize uh, <laughs> because <laughs> FIFA has decided to scrap uh, uh, their plan to expand the 2022 Qatar World Cup to 40 Thankfully. teams. Uh, uh, in the article, it says, due to political and logistical complexities of using another Persian <laughs> Gulf nation because nobody gets along with Qatar, it seems like. I'm still hoping, I think I have 1% hope level though in this, that they are going to take it away from Qatar. It's not going to happen. It's going to be in Qatar. This was my hope that he would really want the 48 and say, well, you can't handle it. Sorry, we have to take it somewhere else. But it's going to be stuck at 32. means Scotland's going to have to wait now until 2026 to qualify. Stuck at 32. It shouldn't go beyond 32. Oh, I agree. I don't even think it should be 32. Well, 32 is kind of... That's yeah. a good number. Yeah. Good I, number. I like 24. No. Although I'm I'm hoping we get to 156 so Scotland do make it to another <laughs> World Cup. No, I like... 16 30, or 32. I like 32 because you, you have four even groups yeah. and you get three games and then you eight, basically... Eight so it it stops all the crappy third place yeah. finishing. And then you have the, the half the teams make it to the next round. I think it works perfectly. Now, when that, obviously, that uh, that uh, Qatar World Cup happens, let's see if the rules that have been changed recently will still be in place. Um, so here are the, some of the rule changes that have been affected by these, uh, I think it's uh, IFAB or something, whatever they're called. IFAB. So a goal... Are these already in place in, in CPL? Because I know they've got some... They might have because they started the season or something like that. Mm. It depends on when you start the season, essentially, but... Most of everywhere else, it'll be effective next year. Goal A goal deflected by hand or arm or the creating of a goal-scoring opportunity will be disallowed even if it is accidental. 
Um, subs, which I thought was the rule anyway. So I'm really confused ch- by cherry that. Cherry on rule? No, but I think uh, what it is is it was kind of to the discretion of the referees. But now it's no, there's no discretion at all. Uh, subs will have to leave the the, the closest part of the pitch, sideline or end line. There is again some discretionary thing there. If it's near the uh, opposition supporters, obviously that's not going to happen. Um, also, mm. if it's a special substitution, like for example, the example was given. If Wando is coming off after breaking the record, they, they, he will be allowed to go there. So it's yeah. up to the, that. It's kind of up to the referee's discretion. I'm over they'll, that. they'll let them know where where they can leave. Um, attacking players will no longer be allowed in the wall. So I, no I more coziness there. Don't like that at all because that's, that's crazy. so much fun. Yeah, that that feels crazy. Uh, keepers will have to keep one foot on the line during penalties. There will be yellow and red cards for coaches when they misbehave. Oh, well, the end to, uh, and, uh, well, the coaches fine. can get red cards now. Yeah, it says well, Cromack got sent off along with Eric de Graaf, who no, was on the bench injured but, before half time. I today. think I think it is they just get sent off. This here they'll get yeah, a, get a warning actually, of a yellow or. or oh, it's just more chance for referees to be flamboyant yeah. in front of the cameras. Uh, the goal kick rule has been affected too. It allows the teams to play the ball to teammates within the box and right away. They don't have to wait. It's their choice whether they have to wait for the opposition team to clear the box. Oh. Uh, also, ball hitting the ref and affecting the possession of the play will be <laughs> automatically a drop. Did you see the one this weekend? Oh, no, someone sent me. I haven't seen the, it yet. The in Dutch, Holland, no. Yeah. He scores? The, he referee scored a goal and he gave it. Does it say anything about a referee tripping an opponent and then calling it back because <laughs> yeah. you've tripped him up? Part of it too. The uh, we talked about CPL last uh, uh, part, and uh, there hasn't been a formalization of how it's going to be ending. We know there's going to be a fall, uh, a spring winner versus a fall winner. Um, they're not sure if it's going to be a two leg series or a single match final. Yeah, because I asked at the time because it didn't say. Yeah. I'm just watching. <laughs> You're watching I the didn't know the volume was up. I'm just watching the referee scoring in Holland. So, uh, Zach, what do you think? Do you think it's a... F- uh, oh, you want to see this? I think it was a goal. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> he, he kicks it in. It doesn't even hit off him. He kicks it you in. you got to show it to Steve. Also, I'll watch it after. Uh, he I, just I... runs away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's superb. <laughs> that is from Holland lower league game Hoke versus... Hark Massa boys. <laughs> Just look, ref- Google referee scores. I think you'll find it. Um, Steve, great question. Uh, I my understanding too was it's a the the it's a one game. Mm. The winner of the Apertura plays the winner of the Clausura, hosted by the winner of the Apertura. So if they're going to change things. That's not going to look super great unless the teams already knew ahead of time and yeah. it only just not look great publicly. Yeah. So that there's still a chance that Pacific could host a, a leg of the championship game. We're definitely going to Calgary no matter what. And also next year's uh, format has yet to be decided. Mm. So they haven't decided well, how, they're they're gonna to know how, how many, many teams, teams are going to have. And how well, many, they're not sure if there is going to be an even number of games between the spring and fall season because right now it's, uh, it is a little bit uneven as well. Did you see uh, – it, it sounds like Alex Bunbury might be involved with the two teams yeah, in Quebec. Yeah, Laval and Quebec City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big congratulations to Milan Boyan for winning the Serbian Superliga with Red Star Belgrade. He made 45 appearances across all competitions, he picked up 22 clean sheets, and was named to the Serbian Superliga Best 11. Um, they were, unfortunately, they weren't able to get the double. They were defeated 1 0 by Partizan in the Serbian Cup 
on Thursday. Speaking of Canadians doing the double on Saturday, Alfonso Davies, although he wasn't in the match, uh, his Bayern side uh, slaughtered Dead Bull, uh, the Leipzig version. Has he played in any of the cup games? I think. I have to check that. I if he hasn't, he, might have. he hasn't really won the double. I think oh, he, he has. He has won. The I, double. I think he might have. He might have played in. A I got to. I have to double check that. Yeah. But anyways, he he's won the double. I saw your picture of the unicorn. <laughs> Did you like I that? Liked that. <laughs> no, but uh, it was great. No, and the, and the after picture was literally the game was overturned. <laughs> So for Borian itself, uh, you were talking about Max Kripo, uh, oh, yeah. possibly number one. This is pretty good resume right there. Oh no, I, I don't think Kripo is Canada's number one. Yeah, it's going to be Borian. Yeah, it could be Alfonso Davies. <laughs> he can he do everything. Else, he yeah. can do everything. Last bit of news here: Federal government has contributed now four mm. point uh, as of right now four point three million to uh, to Canada Soccer to prepare for the twenty twenty six World Cup. The money is to go to Canada Soccer. To go towards uh, until sorry, it's supposed to be for twenty twenty two, basically through twenty twenty two. So it's only for a couple of years. So there probably will be more coming later. Edmonton, the in another part of this article, Edmonton Mayor is looking for about fifteen million for the province to kind of upgrade Commonwealth Stadium to secure them games as well. So yeah, the, my understanding is that the, uh, four point three is spread out over like a couple of years, like you yeah, said. Yeah, but there is a high anticipate high anticipation that more will be coming in the yeah. twenty two to twenty twenty two to twenty twenty six phase. Unfortunately, none of it to British Columbia. I was just about to ask what what's our government putting in. I, I missed that in the release. What yeah. a joke! That's a sad way to end the show, really. Yeah, where can folk find you online? You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapSpeed. For me, it's at Zachary Meisenheimer, and I'm a part of the Movement Curve Collective. And t- on tonight's show, I learned what Canel was. Yeah. Am Canel. I saying that right? Yeah, Canel. Oh, okay. I, I, it's going to, all the kids are going like, to, like QBC. That might be the last time I ever say it. But. Folk are going to be listening in their dorms just now and going, oh, Canel, that's my word of the week. Anyway, I am Michael McCall. Find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. On Instagram at AFT in Soccer. But until we are back, thanks for listening. Take care, enjoy the edit, and mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.